people often talk about relationships like your partner is your significant other but for me like always I've never felt that like I've always felt that my friendships were just as valuable as my significant other just as valuable but just in different ways Welcome to Breastfeeding with ABA, a podcast brought to you by volunteers from the Australian Breastfeeding Association. Breastfeeding with ABA is a podcast about breastfeeding, made by parents for parents. So in this episode, we're chatting with Skye about her story of feeding her babies and other people's babies. This podcast records in different parts of Australia. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands we're recording on and the lands you're listening on. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging and to any Indigenous people listening. And we also acknowledge the long history of oral storytelling on this country and of women supporting each other to learn to feed their babies. My name is Jessica and I'm a breastfeeding counsellor with the Australian Breastfeeding Association and my pronouns are she, her. Today I'm speaking to you from the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation in my home in the north of Melbourne and today I'm speaking with Skye. So Skye, would you like to introduce yourself and a bit about your family? Yeah, so I'm Skye, I'm a midwife, I'm an advocate and most recently a researcher which is a little bit funny um, but good. Um, My pronouns are she, her, they, them. I don't really mind. I probably feel more agender, so I, you know, I'm okay with any pronouns and all often interchange between them at any given moment talking about myself, so I won't get offended. I've got six kitties, um, varying ages from the youngest is nine and the eldest is 20, which is a little bit hard to believe. I've got two of them living with me. I'm also a fairy godparent to a bunch more excellent young people, which really enriches my life a lot. I'm on Wagaya country, which is my own country. So I'm an Aboriginal person and my lands are Wagaya and Wamba Wamba. So that's the Mali Victoria region. And it's Jibba and Dirul country, which means star and sky country. It's really flat out here, which you know, makes for like extraordinary sunrises and sunsets and starry nights. And we were the first astronomers and lived with the stars and the country. So, yeah, we'd also like to acknowledge my people and pay my respects to them. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, So the other thing I just want to double check with you in regards to your sort of pronouns and gendered language do you have any particular preferences for words like mothering parenting breastfeeding nursing anything like that or is it the same as what you said with pronouns that you're happy with anything yeah for myself it's fine I don't mind fantastic okay beautiful just wanted to make sure that we're on the same page and using you know respect for language which is great so we're just going to talk a little bit about your journey with breastfeeding and mothering and parenting so tell me about having your first bub how old were you and what happened I was 19 and I think of that a lot recently because he's recently turned 20 and I look at him and go gosh I was a parent at that age to me he's still my baby so he's still little and so you know going in I was 19 years old I had left home when I was 16 so I was living with my partner at the time in Melbourne it was a tricky time so I was doing year 12 in a like a VC for adults program so it was a flexible program loved it and 
I fell pregnant with my big boy two months after my brother passed away. So it was full of feelings, full of emotions, and it was tricky. Pregnancy itself was amazing. I loved the journey. It was good for my mind. I loved the changes of my body. I loved feeling this like very, very active little baby kicking around. And like, I loved the whole experience. I went to a young mums program, so antenatally, and they were incredible. They were incredible because they were safe and kind, which seems like, you know, kind of basic human needs, but it doesn't always pan out that way, even in healthcare. Um, And they were incredible. So they supported me through my whole pregnancy with him. But then that care didn't kind of translate into birth and postnatal. So when I went into labour and then in the postnatal ward, it was just, you know, the regular ward and staff. My experience of birth, I had a natural birth with my big boy, super fast. It's like two and a half hours for my first baby. Like he flew out. Wow. And breastfeeding came easy with him, which was great. I think a turning point for me, my experience with my big boy was seeing the way that I was cared for during the antenatal period with these incredible, you know, it wasn't just the midwives, like the, it was a whole team around us, you know, they were helping people get their L plates or they were linking them in with dietitians and like just like mother groups and all these kinds of things that made you feel connected. And then going labour and then postnatal, it felt very disconnected and fragmented. And there was a lot of judgment around being young and they're just offhand kinds of comments. So it's things like I said I felt too dizzy to get up to give my baby a bath and, you know, the comment of, oh, well, this is your life now, you know, a lot of young mums say this, this is just kind of the way you just have to get over it. And it was those kind of comments that, you know, when I left hospital with this tiny little baby in my arm, I was just thinking, gosh, it would, it's such an amazing honour and privilege to be with someone while they're having a baby and, I just didn't quite understand how the midwives and the people that were supposed to be caring for me behaved like that. And there was a part of me that thought, you know, I could just do this job so much better than them. So I did. So I I took my baby, breastfeeding him, like took him back to school with me and finished, you know, finished year 12. So that I could, and then obviously ended up going and doing midwifery. And I just breastfed him. throughout classes, on the train to and from school. And I didn't even think about it. Like there was something, like there was something in my mind that I didn't, I didn't feel like embarrassed or I didn't think it was like I needed to cover up. There wasn't even that perception that other people could be looking at me thinking what I was doing was weird or strange. It just felt normal to me from the the get-go. So that's to have that as the first experience of breastfeeding that was like 20 years ago now. Um, as a 19-year-old, it's pretty, I think, incredible. So it sounds like you had a pretty good start to breastfeeding, um, even though you had some really challenging times at the hospital. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience 
of breastfeeding as it relates to being Aboriginal? Yeah, I think a lot of it actually came down to you just do it. And, you know, thinking back as a child, you know, we had a big family. Like my mum was one of seven kids and then so there was like cousins everywhere all the time. And I was one of the eldest and sometimes I can remember seeing, you know, like an auntie breastfeeding or talking about it, but not a lot. And I think it was just snippets that when I was pregnant with my first baby, there wasn't even a discussion around what I would do. And, yeah, I think there was just no question. It's just there. Like it's just present in our life that it's not something that we – hide away from or it's not something that we even overly talk about it's just something that we do and so I think with that mindset for me anyway in my head I just thought I'm gonna breastfeed and so I did without you know and at that point not understanding how difficult it can actually be for some people but for me as an as an Aboriginal person it was almost like it was expected but not even spoken about for my family at least. Do you feel like you had support from family and community when you had your baby as well? Yeah. Or was it more that sort of unspoken support? I think it was more that unspoken support. Like, you know, I'd go back um, because I was in Melbourne, mum's still in the Mallee and some of my my family members, and I would go back and visit them and and then just feed my baby. Like, And and again, it was not thinking about it, not feeling self-conscious, not you know, definitely didn't have any of that thing in my mind around having to have a baby on a schedule or anything like that. I think the only thing that my mom ever said to me is, put the baby on, it's going to start crying soon. Yeah. And and that, and that was it. Like that was, that was probably the one thing that my mom would say to me about breastfeeding. When I was actually pregnant with my first baby, I do remember asking mum about it and she said, she's like, oh, no, I just, just, did it, breastfed my brother for 12 months and then breastfed me for two and a half years. Like this is back in the 1980s. I know that you've also mentioned to me that you have shared breastfeeding with your community as well, so both by breastfeeding babies of friends and by donating breast milk. So tell me, how did that start? I think it kind of started because the group of friends I had, you know, we were just a really close bunch of friends like you know we were having our babies at the same time um we were often at each other's births I was I was a midwife by that point so everyone was like come I need come and be at my birth so we were close and people often talk about relationships like your partner is your significant other but for me like always like growing up like I've never felt that. Like I've always felt that my friendships were just as valuable as, you know, my significant other, just as valuable but just in different ways. And so we supported each other through some incredibly amazing and some incredibly dark times. And I guess it was almost second nature to to me. And I remember the first time that it happened, I did breastfeed one of my friend's little bubbies. She needed to go away from a baby for a medical reason for like five hours. And 
I was going to looking after a bub and she just was freaking out about what to do around feeding and I just said, well, I can just feed her. And it just shifted something in her. She was like, oh, yeah, of course you can. Because yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think our babies were maybe, which I'm trying to think which babies it was, five months apart from each other. So they were close. And for me, it was it just felt like second nature. And then for a couple of us in our friendship group, it just it didn't happen often, but we were available. And we knew that we had each other to count on for something like that, which became our normal, which I thought was pretty great. And in terms of donating breast milk, I don't know if it's like one of those, just word of mouth, you know, hearing someone in the community that was struggling, you know, there was one woman who who had had surgery, so she wasn't able to breastfeed and having a community around her that was, you know, full-time donating breast milk to for this baby. There was a bunch of different scenarios of why a mother or a parent chose to give breast milk to their baby that wasn't their own. And, you know, I found it so easy. I always had plenty of milk. I'm like, I can do this within my capacity. I never did anything that took too much away from me or my own babies. But where there was capacity was definitely just willing to help because, you know, know how good it is. And I think the key to that is really what you said about one community and knowing that there are people out there who need extra help. And I think that, yeah, donating breast milk is such a powerful thing to do as an active community and supporting other mothers, babies, families, parents. And I really just, I resonate so much with what you said about friendship, particularly in my case, female friendship is that my closest female friends, the relationship with them, and a lot of them are people that I've met while we were, you know, sitting down and breastfeeding our babies, having a cup of coffee next to each other. But those relationships are just so strong and powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's something that as a society that we really undermined, but I think they held me and they still continue to hold me. And we hold each other through all of these life experiences and seeing these babies from when they're first born and then what, and being able to be with them, like you, you become, you become family and it's not even that we need each other, but having each other makes life so much more meaningful and connective because, you know, you got, you got your group. So you had your first baby, you've donated breast milk, you've supported a lot of other people by being there and helping them with their pregnancy and birth along the way. How long did you end up breastfeeding for in total? So it was about 14 years straight. And so six of my own children, five other children, and plus like a lot of donated breast milk. And so I didn't tandem feed, I did tandem feed through babies number four and five. And that, that experience was amazing, but challenging at the same time, because, you know, I had just had my fifth baby and, you know, that's a lot of babies. And what was the age gap between the two of them, babies four and five? Just under two, so 20 months. And so Sage... She said, I'm allowed to say her name. So she's baby number four. 
she was always held in a sling. So she was just always close to my body all the time. And so when um, baby number five came along, breastfeeding was still her way to feel connected to me because she was still attached to my hip all the time. And, you know, I think about when I was in labour with baby number five, I had her at home and I had two of my friends were there with me. And I remember just looking up at this one moment in between contractions because in my mind I was thinking, I don't know how Sage is going to go to the point that I like had a top on because I didn't want her to walk past, see my boobs and want to attach on while I'm in labour or having a contraction. She would. But she would walk past and see me and then just kind of like, you know, do a U-turn to my chest. And so... I did wonder how she was going to go in times of being awake. And I had this moment of like looking up and I just saw my friend had like cradles, like three in the morning, just had a little stage like cradled in her arm and was like breastfeeding stage while I was in labour. And it was just this moment. I actually had my baby not too long after that, probably because that moment of like oxytocin of seeing those two made the contractions come hard and fast but it was it was like just it's a really pivotal moment and I can see it in my mind like as clear as day today just that connection of having having someone that's in my community that's so connected and intuitive and would do what it takes to keep my baby safe and well and nourished I think you know, speaks volumes. So what do you think other parents need to know if they're sort of going into the journey of feeding their babies for the first time? Keep asking for help. And I know it's easier said than done, but you're worth it and your baby's worth it. And, you know, you've already done a lot of the hard yards of being pregnant and birthing this baby. And, you know, we make a lot of choices and a lot of decisions for our babies and we always want to make the best choices and I think sometimes we we can feel overwhelmed if we feel like we're not doing it right or if we're not feeding our baby enough or we don't want to be looked at as though we're doing the wrong thing so it can be hard to ask questions but I think if you can just try and remember that you're worth it and your baby's worth it and you're doing this for yourself and your baby then just keep asking for help and if the first help that you get you feel like it's not good, just try again. That's such fantastic advice. Is there anything else that you think that you would like to talk about? I just think the support for breastfeeding is game-changing and, you know, for me my experience was so easy and, like, I didn't I didn't worry about it. I didn't even really think about it. I just did it. And I, being a midwife for 15 years, just seeing the amount of effort and strength and pain and a lot of these things that a lot of mummers and parents go through to try and feed their babies just shows you like how resilient people are and how incredible people are at wanting to do the best by their baby and so I think you know just remembering that when when we're supporting families in breastfeeding that you know it can actually change their life 
Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today and just sort of sharing so much of yourself and your experiences. I've done a lot of these podcasts and I've spoken to a lot of people and I've got to say that this is the first time that while you were speaking, I actually got emotional a few times, just sort of really feeling, yeah, everything that you shared. So thank you so much for sharing yourself and the stories of your family and your babies and feeding them. Thank you. Thank you for ABA for being a supportive space for all these parents and their bubbits. You can find some links to information in the show notes if you want to read more. Head to our website if you want to find a local group to support you. If you want to speak to a breastfeeding counsellor, the National Breastfeeding Helpline is available on 1800 686 268. So that's open 24 hours a day, every day of the year. And our live chat service is another option. So you can check the website to see when that's open. Thanks heaps for listening. We'd love it if you can rate, review and subscribe to the Breastfeeding with ABA podcast wherever you're listening.